And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, yo, welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And the Lakers dropped their third straight game on Monday night, 127 to 124 in overtime to the Washington Wizards. I mean, I feel like this recent stretch of the last few weeks has left me speechless multiple times. This is the latest iteration of that. The Lakers are now 22 and 10, 9 and 7 at Staples Center. They have lost three straight games and are 5 and 4 without Anthony Davis this season. You know, I, I wrote about it over the weekend where I thought this was going to be a difficult stretch coming up, you know, looking at Brooklyn and Miami and Utah and Golden State and Phoenix and Portland and, you know, those six games in, in particular. Lakers are probably going to go something like three and three, maybe two and four. But I was not anticipating a loss to the Wizards. And I started to get some trap game vibes earlier in the day. The more I thought about it, you know, Washington have won four in a row. They've now won five in a row. Uh, You know, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal are very good at getting into the paint, uh, finishing. You know, so I, I think... They were able to exploit the Lakers' uh, perimeter, you know, well, perimeter and interior defense, uh, rather, uh, you know, on, on Monday night. But um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spend too much uh, time on this game because honestly, I feel like a broken record at this point. You know, saying a lot of the things that uh, you know has kind of ailed this team over the past few weeks, and it's also 12:15 in the morning, so I'm uh, I'm gonna keep this one relatively short uh so story of the game to me was the just the the second half and the fact that the wizards outscored the lakers uh i'm looking at it right now uh 66 to 52 in the second half and then 12 to 9 in overtime and that's just i mean (laughs) it was just a tale of of two halves for the lakers where you know uh, that first half to me felt like a, a palate cleanse where a lot of what had ailed them in recent weeks, in recent games, uh, was kind of you know put aside, and they got out in transition. You know they, they were scoring in the paint, uh, the ball was moving. There was some nice two-man game with LeBron and Marcus Sol. You know LeBron was finding guys in transition, uh, and his jumper looked better. He didn't look as gassed. You know just the Lakers overall, uh, you know led by ten after the first, led by fourteen at halftime. And it looked like they were going to coast to a 20-point blowout win. And then all of a sudden, Washington just got this you know, sense of energy in, in the third quarter and started hitting threes, started getting to the free throw line, started really attacking the Lakers in transition. Uh, you know, They ended up with 19 fast break points. We took 33 free throws to the Lakers 17. And you know, they just flipped some type of switch in that second half where they all of a sudden became the aggressors. And... You know, Russell Westbrook and, and Bradley Beal were relentless uh, in attacking the rim. Robin Lopez had 13 points off the bench. It was a, a game high plus 16, uh, you know, but but big shots from, um, you know, Denny uh, Advija. I, I, I know I just butchered that name. I'm sorry. I really hate butchering names, uh, but 
he had a couple late threes that, that were big had eight and eight the rookie and you know davis bertans hit a, hit a late three that was big and uh, you, you know raul neto came off the bench and uh, had a couple steals you know rip lebron late and it, it was just a really weird performance uh you know, by by the Lakers and just a total collapse in, in the second half. Uh, so, so from the Lakers side, LeBron had a 31.9 rebound, uh, 13 assist performance, but it was somewhat undone by his eight turnovers. And seven of those eight turnovers came after the Lakers led by 17 points in the third quarter. Uh, LeBron also missed a free throw uh, late in regulation that would have won the Lakers the game. Uh, only took three free throws and and made one of them uh, was two of ten on threes. But but the three free throws, you know, I, I looked at the numbers and LeBron is basically averaging as many free throws as last season, and it's not really that far off from recent years. But it does feel like LeBron gets to the rim a lot and doesn't get, you know, the the type of free throws and and calls that you would expect from a superstar of his magnitude and I, I know that's that sounds kind of ludicrous you know it's it's LeBron um you know he, he's always driving he's always getting free throws uh, you know he's always on the refs about that but if you look at the numbers like it, he is having somewhat of a down year in terms of free throw attempts and I have noticed it more so it feels like than in years past that he does get to the rim you know draw contact and you know be it because of his size or his strength or his reputation or whatever he just doesn't get foul calls that you would expect um, and that I think other players get. And, you know, that that's just been, you know, I think that's only to monitor and we'll, we'll see if that trend uh, continues throughout the rest of the season. But it is kind of weird seeing LeBron draw contact. Like I felt like he could have easily had six, eight, ten free throw attempts tonight uh, rather than the three. Uh, Kuz had a, a, another solid game as a starter, you know, did not shoot the ball well, was only five of 16, but had 14 points, 11 rebounds. A couple blocks, you know, played at four turnovers. And, and Kuz has had some weird entry passes. He's really struggled with making entry passes uh, into the post and just sometimes just swinging the ball in the perimeter. He'll, you know, have the ball stolen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Marcus Soule was the polarizing guy. Had seven points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals, three blocks. Um, I thought had some really good defensive moments, but also had some really bad defensive moments, especially late. Um, you know, ended up fouling Robin Lopez on on. Uh, the possession that ultimately kind of swung the game for the Wizards, but also in some of his rotations, what you know were, were late or non-existent or, or fouled, uh, you know Westbrook and, and Beal on their drives. Uh, KCP uh, breakout performance: twenty-one points, eight of fifteen shooting, four of eight from deep. KCP is, is you know, I think, officially broken out of his slump over the last three games. Has been shooting the ball much better, and, and that's a welcome sign for the Lakers. Uh, Montrez Harrell and, and you know uh, on the flip side of the Marcus Soul dynamic what was Trez who had 26 points and nine rebounds in only 23 minutes did not close the game did not play I believe the last four or five minutes of the fourth and, and then did not play in overtime and it, it was a point of contention for fans and Frank Vogel defended it post game by saying that 
he did consider putting Trez back in the game, but he was concerned with the size of Robin Lopez and uh, you know just having size out there to defend the rim against Beal and, and Westbrook. And that tweet that I had just got flamed by Lakers Twitter of, of you know being upset that Trez should have been out there. Um, I, I think he was worth a, a look. I'm not as, I, I don't feel as passionately about it as some people do. Um, I, I do think on the whole, Marcus Gasol has been a better defender than Trez and, and better at times. Now, was this one of those times? Not necessarily. I, I do think that Robin Lopez gave Trez some problems. Um, you know, he he blocked him a couple times. He got some offensive rebound. He got one offensive rebound. He, he scored on him a couple times in the post. Um, and and just you know off of dump offs and, and finishes in the paint and you know as someone who has watched Trez uh, you know beyond this season and going back now multiple se- you know the the last three seasons that he was with the Clippers um, he does tend to struggle against legitimate like defensive minded seven footers uh, you know I, I've seen that movie before so uh, I do think that. You know, he, he had it cooking. He had 26 points. So maybe you just ride the hot hand there. Um, but I do think the people that were, I think if you're making that substitution of, you know, mark out Trez in, it's purely for offensive purposes because I, I don't think Trez would have been better defensively than Mark was. Um, and maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm open to, uh, you know, for, for what it's worth, Trez had five fouls. Mark ended up filing out. Uh, and, and, you know, the Lakers just went smaller there at the end. Uh, I do think that the guy that maybe was worth a look, and, and he got a look uh, towards the end of regulation, was Markeith Morris. Because, um, you know, I felt uh, on that, you know, offensively you could stretch Robin Lopez out. You know, he was going to have to defend someone on the perimeter at that point. Um, and, and then defensively, you know, would have caused maybe some rim protection problems. And, and maybe Lopez could have, uh, you know, finished inside or gotten some offensive rebounds. But I, I felt like that trade-off might have been worth it. So I actually think... You know, going with Keefe at the five might have been the, the better solution and, and kind of splitting between Mark and Trez and, and what each of them provides. But um, I, I totally get where the fans that were upset about Trez's minutes are coming from. And, uh, you know, again, while I, I, I personally might not agree with the, the defensive argument, um, though Mark at, at 27 minutes is probably a little high for uh, what, what he should be playing at this point. Um, you know, I... I I, 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 so again, I, I disagree maybe on the defense, but I do think w- with Trez's offensive performance and, and him having nine rebounds, four offensive rebounds, um, you know, a couple assists, like he, he was playing well and probably did deserve uh, at least g- give him a couple minutes. And, and if he gets torched defensively, then you can go back to Mark, you can go to Keefe. Um, so I think I, I get that. But what's been clear, I, I think, from the, the non AD, um, you know, stretch here is that Frank has favored Mark over Trez. Uh, you know, I, I believe Mark has played more than Trez in at least three of the four games. And that to me speaks to Frank, you know, valuing the defensive end more. And Mark, again, I think on the whole, being a better defender than Trez. Um, there are some bad matchups for him, you know, five out offenses, uh, teams with multiple wing scores, which, you know, I guess this would qualify. But um, you know, I think it's just been interesting to see that that you know Frank has been closing with Mark. Uh, he, he's been favoring Mark minutes wise, 
And Trez has been really effective in a couple of these games, and that hasn't translated into crunch time minutes. So uh, that's that's certainly something to watch. Uh, w- one encouraging thing before I get into the Q and A section here: uh, Lakers shook uh, shot four, uh, 44 threes and made 15 of them. So 34% isn't great, but 15 makes is good, very good, especially for the Lakers. And 44 attempts is is pretty good too. I mean, maybe a little high. Uh, they shot 104 times, which I, I didn't even realize. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, this is an overtime game. Uh, you know, LeBron played 43 minutes. That's too high. And to to uh, if you guys have not checked out my story that went up today with Bill Oram, uh, we discussed the non-LeBron minutes and how much the team has struggled. Uh, you know, not only, I mean, obviously the team's going to be worse when LeBron's not on the floor, but They've been a, a net negative for the past two seasons now. And it hasn't really mattered who else is on the floor when he's off. Like even with AD, the number is virtually unchanged last season and this season. You know, AD has not really impacted those minutes. And with AD out and Dennis out, the Lakers have obviously struggled. Tonight, they were plus three in LeBron's 43 minutes and minus six in the 10 minutes he sat. And that is a trend. If you go game by game, you know, over the season, um, you know, I, we laid out the, the lineup combinations and, and different things that have worked, but it, it's been very few combinations and, and very few players. Actually, the only two players that have been positive when LeBron has been off are KCP and Trez. So that's something to think about, um, you know, moving forward, just because that trend flipped in the playoffs. So the, the Lakers were fine in the playoffs with LeBron off the floor. They were actually positive when he was off the floor. But uh, in the regular season, you know, with AD out, with Dennis out at least one more game. And who knows, you know, with, with guys potentially out in the future with, with injuries or COVID or whatever, like the Lakers are going to have to figure out ways to have productive, uh, you know, lineups and lineup combinations and rotations without LeBron on the floor. And they've yet to do that. And I think that's that's something that's very important and, and something that, you know, they, they can't because the, the, the flip side is LeBron ends up playing, you know, had this game ended, had he made that free throw, and this game ended in regulation, he would have played 38 out of 48 minutes. And that's just too much. LeBron shouldn't be playing more than 33 or 34 minutes right now. Um, you know, that's ideally where you want to keep any superstar, but especially a guy 36, year 18. Uh, I know, you know, tonight he was vocal about, you know, that we, we talk about his workload too much. We talk about his minutes too much, that he doesn't talk or, or think about it the way that we do. But, you know, we, we just have history of, of looking at the, the workload the guy has in his career with, with the minutes and games played. Um, it's unprecedented to see this level of production with that type of workload. So, um, you know, we, we've seen older guys get injured because of too many minutes. Um, you know, even thinking back to Kobe, uh, you know, before his Achilles injury and the workload that he had had at that point, um, you know, with all those 40, you know, straight, uh, you know, multiple games of 40 plus minutes. So you just got to be careful if you're the Lakers here, because especially if you're losing these games, uh, you know, wasting those LeBron minutes uh, c- could come back to to haunt you at some point. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Let's get into the open forum here, the Q&A portion of the show. You guys can't tell I'm a little delirious right now, so uh, hang in there with me. Uh, Pulling it up right now, 
Let's see, got some good questions. So I, I got multiple questions on the Quinn Cook waving. Uh, if you have not heard yet, Quinn Cook was waived uh, post game. He had a non-guaranteed contract that was going to guarantee on February 24th. So the Lakers decided to waive him. It gives them two open roster spots. Also gives them another, um, I don't know the exact figure. It's somewhere in the 800 to 850 range um, in terms of uh, shaving salary off of uh, their salary cap. So now they're about 1.7 million under the hard cap, uh, which gives them the flexibility now to sign two free agents or if they are doing a trade to take back uh, a little bit extra money, uh, you know, not much, but every bit counts. And um, so a couple questions here uh, we, we got from Ralph Mason at Ralph underscore Mason Jr. After waving Quinn Cook, Lakers have two open roster spots. What archetype of players would you like to see get those two spots? Um, we, we got one here from Jeffrey Santos after waving Cook. How much will our available cap space be and, and who are the available players on the market that fits the bill for what they need. And uh, this is from RMS at Rara on Twitter uh, with Cook recently waived. Who should the Lakers bring in? So multiple Quinn Cook questions. I'll say that I, I think the, the one guy that, to me that's been out there that makes a lot of sense is Dwayne Dedman. I'm not really sure why he's not on a roster. Uh, I, I think that he's a guy who is relatively athletic, mobile, uh, he, he's big, he can block shots, he can protect the rim, he's a decent rebounder, and he's a, a floor spacer. So I, th- I think he gives you, uh, you know, basically some better, like, I guess he's, he's kind of like Mark, but potentially an upgrade. Um, I'm not really sure why he's not on an NBA roster right now. To me, he's a solid backup center, uh, you know, a guy who can play 12, 15, 18 minutes a night. And I think he should be on a team. So again, I, I don't know if I don't know if he is an upgrade over Mark or Trez, but he's someone I'd be interested in because of his potential fit and his skill set. I, I I said it last podcast. I'm not on the boogie bandwagon. I think that uh, you know I get it every game from fans. You know, rim protection and, and Javale and Dwight and uh, why can't we play defense? And if you're asking for defense and rim protection, it's not Demarcus Cousins. If you're saying that. You want a potential offensive upgrade over Mark or Trez? We can have that conversation, and, and you know maybe Boogie can do that. Although I'm a little skeptical when when seeing his numbers in production this season. But when we're talking like what the Lakers need and, and the fact that they miss Javale, that they miss Dwight, that they miss that athletic, long, you know, versatile, uh, you know, and, and lo- loosely using the word versatile, but uh, you know, vertical lob threat and rim protector, that's not DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins is a guy who's going, you know, basically a pick and pop guy um, who who can post up an ISO a bit, but there's just a lot of overlap there with Trez. And, and to be quite honest, I think Trez is better and and probably honestly better defensively. Uh, like that, that, I mean, like I, I think at this stage of his career and based on what I've seen, Boogie's probably worse than Mark and, and Trez defensively. So I think you're, you're, potentially getting an offensive upgrade. And I'm not even sure if you are. I mean, you are over Mark in terms of scoring, but with what Mark can do as a passer and facilitator, uh, I think, you know, I think it's close. And then I think Mark is probably honestly better than Boogie defensively. And, you know, Boogie Boogie's a better rebounder than Mark and Trez. That is one area that he would clearly help. But I'm not as sold. Like, I don't think it's a horrible move if they do it. 
Uh, but I, I just I don't really see the fit uh, and and how he's an upgrade over either one of those guys. Otherwise, uh, you know, there's Rondé Hollis Jefferson, but he can't shoot. But but he's an athletic wing defender uh, can, can maybe help this team. And, and then it's the usual suspects: Trevor Ariza, uh, Javale if he somehow becomes available, uh, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. Uh, you know, some of the higher profile names of, of buyout guys that could be available. Like, I, I think one of those guys becomes available. It makes a lot of sense. If not, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, player archetype wise, I've, I've talked about this. I think that the Lakers need a three and D wing more than anything else. Like, ideally, a guy who's better than the Kuzma, you know, Wes Matthews, KCP level. I don't know if you're going to get that guy in the buyout market. You know, probably not. But just another one of those guys, particularly a guy with size, someone in that 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", range with some size and length that can check the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris types. Like, again, not lock them down because there are very few defenders that can defend at that level. But another guy, because again... Like Wes and KCP are just giving up too much size in a lot of those matchups. And then Kuz, um, you know, I think, well, a improved defender and a clear plus defender, uh, I don't think he has the foot speed and athleticism to hang with some of those guys one-on-one in every matchup. So I think a Trevor Ariza type, uh, you know, he is kind of his own arc. I mean, he's kind of become like him, Robert Covington, PJ Tucker, you know, Interestingly, all three guys uh, used to be Rockets, you know, ha- have become the faces of the, the three and D movement over the last decade. Uh, you know, Danny Green as well. You know, Wes Matthews also to an extent. So like one of those types of guys, but a little bit bigger. Uh, PJ Tucker's another guy if the Lakers could get via trade or, or buyout market, I-, I think would be a great fit. Um, you know, I think he would be a, a slight upgrade over the Kuzma, Wes, KCP. Like he's exactly, I think, the type of thing that could elevate this team. Because then you look at crunch time, you know, you're going with AD, LeBron, PJ Tucker, uh, you know, Dennis and Alex, or, or you know, throw KCP in there. Like, so two of those three of the Dennis, Alex, KCP, um, and then the front court is PJ, LeBron, and AD. Like, PJ can space the floor, he can rebound, he can defend multiple positions. Uh, can take some of that pressure off of LeBron to defend guys on the perimeter. So uh, I think PJ would be great for this Lakers team. Let's get to a couple more questions from Matt Wadley. I apologize if I, uh, Wadley, Wadley, at Wadley underscore Matt24 on Twitter. Uh, Do you ever sleep on game nights? I actually quote tweeted this one, but rarely. Uh, I get like five, five, six hours on, on game nights. Um, sleep is rough for me. Uh, I, I'm a melatonin guy. I, I have some sleep issues in, in general, but especially on game nights, I'm usually writing till at least 2 a.m., if not 3 a.m., and then um, having to get up at you know 7, 8, depending on what I have to do in the morning. So you can hear it in my voice. Uh, ga- game nights are rough for the sleep. Aaron Labhan. Labhan? I, I always butcher your last name. You're, you're going to have to... Uh, spell it for me phonetically on on twitter is there still hope for west to be a positive player going forward are we really going to call him the most disappointing roster addition he keeps passing up open shots is he done uh and then well i'll give you a couple questions here how does this team survive until the all-star break lebron looks like he's about to drop dead even though he's not tired even though he says he's not tired uh 10 three-point attempts from him uh west i think west is is better been better than you're giving him credit for i do think the shooting has been an issue 
and both both the passing up shots and he, he is a very streaky shooter so there is some Danny Green in him uh in that respect and I think he was supposed he was supposed to be a shooting upgrade over Danny Green that has not really played out and uh, but I, I think tonight you know a steal a block uh it was minus 11 which was a, a team worst uh but you know I thought he had a really good game uh against Miami and was a reason you know had 10 and 8 almost had a double double and uh, you know, I had some uh, you know a key basket late, and I thought it was the reason why they almost won that game. So West has been very up and down. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, I guess I, he, he's been the worst addition, like you know, on the whole. But I don't think he's been. I think he's actually been trending up. Um, again, like you probably want him more in that ninth, tenth role. You, you don't want him as a starter, which he, he's starting right now because Dennis is out. But I, I think you know he's he's been okay. And then how does this team survive? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I think looking at the next five games, like I'm looking at a two and three stretch probably, or maybe even one and four. Like, I don't know how you feel great. Like, I mean, I think they're going to lose. We'll close out on this one. Um, I think they're going to lose in Utah. I think that, and then you look at the, the, the three home games, it's like Phoenix is playing really, really well. They've won 11 of 13 I don't know. Did they play tonight? They won again tonight. So twelve of fourteen. Uh, Portland is playing really well. You know, D- Dame's been going supernova. Um, and, and then Golden State already. You know, Portland and Golden State already beat the Lakers at Staples, and that was with Dennis and AD. Now Dennis should be back for those two games, but AD won't. And you know, so I don't feel great about that. Like they probably split those two, and then you got um, Sacramento at, at Sacramento to, to close out the break and. You know, they should win that game, but they should have beaten Washington and they lost. So I look at like Sacramento as I think the one game they're going to win for sure. And they'll probably split the the Portland Golden State series uh, and go two and three, I think, heading into the break, at which point that makes you, uh, you know, 24 and 13 uh, through the first half of the season, which I think is not the record that anyone was expecting for this team. But, um, you know, I think... It's a rough patch, but as long as AD is healthy, seeding doesn't matter. I know, I think someone had a seeding question, and I think this team is fine. They're going to be, in my opinion, at worst, the four seed. And as long as they have home court advantage, even if they have to play a couple series on the road, this team is going to be fine. I think you're still going to favor them. There are some issues. There are some things they need to resolve. I think they're going to try to do that in the buyout market or the trade market. So we'll keep an eye on that and keep you updated over the next few weeks. But thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you're not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast on The Athletic. And if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com or preferably sign up off of one of my stories. There is a current deal going on, uh, $3.99 per month. Uh, for the first six months if you sign up off of uh, one of our stories. So uh, you can just go to my Twitter page and do that there. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will be back on Wednesday. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.